When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is September 17th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. And guess what, guys? Training camp is underway. And even bigger than that, Charlie McAvoy resigned, which felt like would never happen. Felt like that was just never going to happen, but it finally did happen. End of last week, signed a three-year deal with a $4.9 million annual value. So to break that down and sort of talk about training camp and some other teams in the Atlantic Division that maybe aren't great at managing their contract, hint, hint, Toronto Maple Leafs, I had on Connor Ryan at Boston Sports Journal who I think does a tremendous job over there. And I thought we had a really great conversation about McAvoy, about the Leafs. We sort of kind of tied everything together. And I think you'll really enjoy this podcast as you hopefully enjoy every week. <laughs> so without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? What's up, Evan? How's it going? It's going great. Uh, obviously, you're in what your second or third training camp covering the Bruins, maybe more, uh, right? Yeah, I'd say third. Yeah, second as like kind of full time, uh, full time writer. So just gearing up now. Obviously, preseason is about to start. Preseason games, rather. So, but we're still kind of in that holding pattern where it's everyone's more or less checking in how everyone's summer was. You know, goals for the year. We're, we're at that point in training camp. So uh, hopefully, it's going to start ramping up in a couple more days. Yeah, hopefully you can get those questions of, are you guys over game seven? Are you guys over, uh, over last year? How do you move on to this year? Getting those questions the hell out of the out way. Of, out of the way until they play the Blues in October and they all come up again. So just like, it's, this is the first wave. We've got the second wave coming very, very soon. So I, get I forgot. I forgot about that game. Like, it's a great game to watch. I mean, it'll be incredible to see the Stanley Cup rematch, but. Off the ice, it's going to be a nightmare, you know, yeah. asking people how they're doing and how they're coping. It's just, it's uh, just. At least, at, least, at least they have it done before, like it's in October. It's not like it's something that's built up like halfway through the year. Like I remember when, after the Bruins won the cup in 2011, I think like when they played Vancouver again in the garden, I want to say it was like December or January. It was like, right, like January. In the, yeah, where like Martian like almost killed Timmy Salo, I think. And like it was one of the, it was that game. But like, remember like that was being hyped up for the entire year. This one in October, just get it over with. So, yeah, and the Blues and Bruins don't have the bad blood that the Canucks and Bruins had. So it's not like it's going to be a Donnybrook. It's just going to be a probably a good game. So, unlike right, exactly, it, which was a really actually no. a boring hockey game. Um, yeah, so an idea. The big news it finally happened. 
one of the shoes dropped. Charlie McAvoy re-signed by the Boston Bruins. We have been waiting for that all summer. Legitimately, just that piece of news all summer. It happens. I thought Carlo would go first. Obviously, I was wrong. McAvoy's the first to go. Three years, $4.9 million annually. He gets $7.3 million in his last year of his deal. Fun, 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 and more fun. Connor, what are your initial reactions? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty surprised that, you know, it's in terms of just the salary cap and, you know, how much of a hit it's for the Bruins. Like, you have to view it from the Bruins' angle as it being a complete steal. I mean, at $4.9 million, and it's good for McAvoy that in that last year of his deal, his base salary at least bumps up to 7.3, so that gives him a little bit of security in case they ever have to go to a qualifying offer or he gets arbitration. Like, it works out for McAvoy in terms of the long, you know, the, the grand scheme of things where he's going to get a bigger pay raise, and this is just setting him up for a massive pay raise in, you know, 20, 21, 22, that kind of, once you move into that area. But for right now, for what the Bruins are looking at in terms of maximizing this current championship window, while kind of staying under that cap and avoiding that cap hell that you're seeing, like, Toronto in now and stuff like that, they have to be thrilled that they have a guy like McAvoy. He's already like a top 20 defenseman in terms of war. Look at his stats and what he contributes on both sides of the ice, especially. So lock up a guy like that for the next three years at, you know, 4.9 million. And then he has two years of RFA status left after that. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're the Bruins, you have to be doing backflips right now. I mean, it, it's, it was a great move by Don Sweeney to kind of come to an understanding with a guy like McAvoy who obviously wants to stay here long term, but, fact that he gets a little bit of a pay bump you know it's probably kind of undervaluing what he brings to this team but regardless he gets a pay bump security for at least the next three years going forward he has this platform it's what Sweeney said kind of really elevate his value even more and more which barring something drastically wrong you know like he's going to when hitting those thresholds as a future kind of franchise defenseman so if you're if you're the Bruins you have to be thrilled with what you're able to you know what you're able to keep him at right now because even when people were looking at, you know, oh, do you sign him to a long-term deal or to a bridge deal? Even with it being like a three-year deal, people were still expecting it to be six, you know, six and a half, like something like that. I, I think that's what most people were expecting. The fact that it's not even five, like it's 4.9 million, and you have some of that cap space still available to now kind of handle the, the last thing you have with Brandon Kahlo. I mean, that, that's a, a great coup if you're the Bruins. Yeah, short-term – I love this. This is as good a move as you could possibly do. Sweeney play, hit this out of the park. You know, you get three years, which that's kind of where I disagree on. But $4.9 million for those three years, incredible. Because as you said, this is a small window to try to go win a Stan- another Stanley Cup. And that's the perfect amount. You don't, t- you don't have a ton tied up to him. I thought if it was going to be a bridge deal, I thought it would be five and a half, maybe six. Right. Now it's it's way less. So Sweeney obviously did a great job with that. Um, and now they have $3.2 million left in cap space. So, you know, that goes towards Carlo. As you said, my – I don't want to say it's an issue because it kind of comes with every bridge deal. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of potential with Charlie McAvoy, like a hey. lot of potential that he still has not fulfilled because it's only been two mm-hmm. years. Long term, I don't know. Because part of me wanted the six, part of me thought the better option was six year deal at five and a half, six ish, mm-hmm. which obviously is more. It doesn't yeah. help with this window as much as the 4.9, but it saves you from paying an arm and a leg later on. Because mm-hmm. with all likelihood, McAvoy is going to be 
a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. That's where he's projecting at least a franchise defenseman if he isn't already. Mm-hmm. Those people, those defensemen now get paid over 7 million at least. Sometimes, a lot of times even eight. Mm-hmm. And then if you're elite, 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 you get nine and 10 and whatever. Right. With the cap being higher in the next couple, in, you know, in three years, that threshold's going to be even higher. So you're going to be paying him a ton probably. And now granted, Sweeney's great at signing his own guys, as we've seen by this, mm-hmm. by Poshnok, whatever. But you're still going to pay a lot towards him. And I know everyone's saying, uh, that Krejci and Bacchus, you know, thank God, and Rask will be off the books in mm-hmm. after that year. But are they necessarily going to, I mean, Bacchus will be gone. Krejci, I don't know. And Rask, I mean, there's not a lot in the pipeline for goalies, so he might come back on some sort of lesser deal. I, I don't really – obviously, that's three years away. We have no idea. But right. I think that just locking him up long-term and just having him might be better. But but if they win a cup in the next three years, then mm-hmm. we'll look at this. Oh, that's, a, that's an A++ on every front. So I'm just the long-term – part of it mm-hmm. would have in my opinion been better because you're going to pay him less because he's it's going to look exp- six it's six and a half million now looks very expensive in f- three or four years when he's a top 10 defenseman oh my god that's a steal so i don't know that's sort of my takeaway on the whole thing but again 4.9 is pretty damn good <laughs> oh absolutely and i think you know i when you look at how the negotiations went and you look at both parties and what they wanted to do, I think, you know, the win-win for both of them would have been working on a long-term deal. Uh, Cause I mean, McAvoy has mentioned it many times that like, you know, he loves Boston. It's not like we've come a long way from how he still gets ripped for that, that uh, I hate the Bruins so much tweet, you know, that people always <laughs> kind of bring it like we're far beyond that. Like he loves playing in Boston, obviously. Um, and I think ideally, you know, they'd like to work out this long-term deal, but, I think that's from the Bruins angle, you have to look at it. That's just kind of not the hand they've been dealt this year in terms of the cap situation, which is kind of the, one of the main kind of take, you know, drawbacks from having that back as contract is, you know, in a perfect world, I think they would have loved to kind of find something similar to what Provorov just signed with Philly, where it's, you know, six, seven years, you probably have to pay up a little bit more just in terms of what McAvoy brings as opposed to Provorov, where he's more of a two way guy. So I don't know, say, six, seven years at seven, seven and a half. Like you probably have to pay up a little bit more just in terms of estimating, you know, what his value is going to increase more and more. And, you know, if you sign that deal by the end of it, when he's, you know, 27, 28 years old, he's probably going to be, you know, four, five million under what his average annual value will probably be if he becomes a top 10 defenseman. So I think it's a deal with the Bruins want to do. And I'm sure McAvoy, if it's a, a deal that pays him in that kind of top tier right now of, of defenseman, he would have loved to sign it, but Bruins just didn't have the cap right now to kind of absorb a hit like that. Like right now, if you're at 4.9 million, you got about 3.2 million to work with right now with Kyle. You obviously have John Moore and Kevin Miller, which you can do long-term IR and work on that. And that gives you a little bit of cap relief right now, but you still have to think, you know, they still have to do a little bit of tinkering with that cap in terms of, you know, being able to sign Kyle without, you know, uh, doing anything drastic. So if you, if you signed a, you know, a long-term deal with McAvoy right now and it gives you, you're either right up against the cap without signing Carlo or you're even over it right now, then you'd have to do some kind of drastic moves. Like, you know, at this point, I don't think you're trading David Backus. Uh, you know, everyone has taken on some of these, you know, these other bad contracts. You saw like Brian Callahan got scooped up by the Ottawa Senators. I guess another guy who, a team that you would think could take a lot of salary 
they're kind of off the books. You know, you could bring them down to Providence for the year, for David Backus, but I don't think that's a, a snare that both parties obviously want to do. Like the Bruins show a lot of respect for David Backus and what he brings to the team, you know, as, as a guy like that. Why do you want to do is stuff a guy like that down in Providence? And you know, he saved like $1 million against the Caps. It's not like you're eliminating his cap from, from the book. So, so it, it, you know, as, ideally, you know, they'd want to sign this long-term deal, but in terms of, you know, again, the, the hand that was dealt to them in terms of how the cap is right now, I think Sweeney's looking at it like, all right, we can maximize this current three-year window, stay within the cap. You, as you said, you know, they're going to have some cap kind of shut off the books going forward. You have the new TV deal, which people mentioned in a couple of years for the NHL that is projected to really kind of blow the cap open um, in the next couple of years. I don't know how much it's going to be. I feel like, you know, every year the NHL talks about how much they're going to raise the cap and raise the cap. But, yep. I mean, you, you literally saw what happened this year. Like, people were like, oh, it's going to be, you know, 83 and a half, 84 million. They literally did not get the cap, like, announced until, like, literally during the draft. And it was, like, $2 million short of what it was, which can screw up a lot of teams' payroll or their plans for the offseason. Like, $2 million yes. is a lot of money that goes back, back and forth. So, again, there's so many factors that go into it when you view, you know, from the league angle, from what the Bruins are trying to accomplish and what, you know, limitations they have to work with right now. And obviously what McAvoy wants to get done, which is stay in Boston long-term, but also get paid what he's, you know, more than deserving of. But I think right now this is kind of the, the compromise that makes both parties happy. If you're the Bruins, you know, you have to be thrilled that you at least have this guy under contract, both for these next three years at below value, but then also he's an RFA afterwards. So you still have control of him. And you'd imagine by that point, start, you know, working on a new long-term deal that really gets him paid, you know, as a, a top-pairing defenseman that we all kind of project him to be. Yeah, so with the space they have now, $3.2 million, obviously Carlo will be signed with that. I think they'll need a little bit more, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to get Carlo at $3.2 million. I That's right. way out of value. We've, we've, I think- we've all been wrong before. So, like, everyone thought it was going to be six for McAvoy. So, who knows? Maybe he signs for three, three point two. Like, you can never tell with how the Bruins are in terms of retaining these guys. That this seems like it always works out for them. But again, I agree though, as you said, like it seems like it's a little low. It it seems like like you know with the Celtics, Danny Ainge is an amazing trade person. He's great at trade. Sweeney is just unreal at signing his own guys. So I'm not coming out and saying, oh yeah, you're gonna have to move this piece, this piece, this piece to get the cap space for Carlo. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow they get Carlo in that window. Now, I don't think it'll happen, but I would not be surprised because Sweeney is so good at this. Um, which leads me to my next point. And Bruins cap space on Twitter, uh, put this up yesterday without, obviously they've not signed Carlo yet, but with what they have right now, they'll have about 29 million in cap space, um, next offseason. At least they project to have that. Mm-hmm. And with Carlo, you can assume that goes down to like 25, let's say. Right. Um, next off season, the three biggest pieces they have, they have Jake DeBrusque as an RFA. So mm-hmm. you're not clear of the RFA waters yet. Uh, even after Carlo, you got an RFA coming up. It's going to be another RFA gate. We're going to have to talk about that the whole summer, which won't be as fun mm-hmm. as this summer, but whatever. Yes. Um, you have Charlie Coyle, who people forget is up next season. And mm-hmm. I, I can't tell if he's due for a pay raise yet or not. I, he could. I feel like there are teams out there that would easily pay for him to be a number two center. It depends on how he does this year. And then the biggest fish that the Bruins have is Tory Krug. So you got about $25 million probably after Carlo gets signed to re-sign other people as well, but mainly Jake DeBrusque, Tory Krug, Charlie Coyle. Can they do it? 
Can they do both Coil and Krug? Because that seems like a lot. But with that cap space, it feels like there's enough. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. Well, no, I, I agree that, you know, it's obviously kind of the, the biggest challenge looking ahead is you have so many other guys. And then there's also so many kind of, I don't want to say spare parts with so many guys that were so key to this run last year. But, you know, Chris Wagner's up. Joakim Nordstrom, who they love, is up. Jaroslav Halak, who's, you know, he didn't play a minute of the postseason. But you, when you look at who kind of orchestrated that run and led to their success, he was a key part of that. Like, he's going to get paid. So they have so many other areas in terms of, you know, retooling, like, you know, the bottom six you know, who's going to be the backup in net. Like there's a, plenty of factors they have to look into next year in terms of assessing how much money they can spend. And again, who knows, maybe the cap rises a little bit next year and that helps them out again. I, yeah, I don't want to use that as like a, you know, a get out of jail for that because you can never tell, especially with how, uh, you know, they could limit the cap going forward to kind of help with these escrow payments. So I guess going down a whole other rabbit hole, but like I wouldn't put too much faith in the, the cap, like being the thing that kind of builds you out. Um, but I think if you look at, you know, what they have, we want to say it's 25 million. You know, it's, you look at how those guys are do on the open market and you start getting concerned. I mean, I think Pierre Lebrun had a, a story where he was talking about projecting, you know, next year's raging class and said Tory Krug could get eight, nine million, you know, on the market, which you think it's crazy. But I mean, you look at what he brings to a team, especially there's so many teams that are just missing kind of that one key piece to really kind of stock their power play. I mean, the you know the the book is out on Tory Krug on what he brings to the team uh, in terms of you know how good he is on quarterbacking a power play but I think if you're a Tory Krug you have to be thrilled at how well you did in the postseason last year in terms of raising your overall value because since Krug's been you know with the team in 2013 what's been the you know the scouting report on him you know is that he's fantastic on the power play good puck mover but you know the warts in his game are kind of uh, on the defensive end of the of the ice but. I, I think you could make the case uh, that, you know, him and Kahlo, who obviously helps quite a bit having him paired with, you know, a kind of a shutdown guy, but those two guys are very, very effective in terms of both getting the puck up the ice and then really kind of neutralizing chances down the other end. So if you're Krug, I think it's totally, uh, you know, viable that he could make, you know, eight, eight and a half million on the market next year. So if you're the Bruins, you're concerned about that. But when you look at him, uh, you look at Coyle, who's only been here for, you know, say like what? half a season, three quarters of a season, something like that. But, you know, the one factor, I think now when you see it with Bergeron, you know, Martian, Pasternak, McAvoy, all these guys taking these deals is you have to factor in that, you know, the Bruins have this track record of retaining these, you know, key cogs to this team that are so crucial in kind of building the championship window. And it all goes into, you know, the, the culture that they've, you know, built and some that Sweeney's talked about that, you know, Charlie Coyle has already talked about, you know, the culture that he says that he's heard about before he got here, coming here as a local guy and just kind of jumping right in with kind of the the presence that these veterans kind of established in the room. You wonder how much that could lead to, you know, these guys kind of going either right at market level or even below if it means, you know, continuing the championship window because Tory Krug's already talked about that. I think he talked to uh, Emily Kaplan about, uh, you know, his next contract and how he'd be willing to take you know, a pay cut. So he's still going to get paid more than he's getting paid now. Like he could be six, six and a half, something like that. But if the Bruins get him for that, as opposed to, you know, eight million, eight and a half next season, one, it'd be obviously another great, you know, coup for, for Don Sweeney and the Bruins. But also, would you be really shocked about it? Like, would you be shocked if he, he finds a deal like that, if they're able to get Coil for, you know, the five, six million dollar range, which I think Coil, if he has another productive year as a versatile guy, 
you know, good face-off guy, good guy on both ends of the ice. You know, I mean, Kevin Hayes is getting paid more than Patrice Bergeron next year. Oh, like, oh my God. That is a whole other thing. Yeah, like, you don't think, like, Charlie Coyle is not going to get that from a team that just needs either, you know, a second-line a second line center to really add stability. Like, he's, he's going to get paid as well. But if you're able to get these guys, you know, for, you know, to kind of buy into the system and to take, you know, obviously still be in line for a, a pay bump, but take a little bit less than what they are to keep this window open, I think that's something you have to, you know, view as a factor in terms of how the Bruins are going about these next couple of off seasons because it hasn't kind of filled them yet. Like maybe we're waiting, you know, waiting and waiting and the expectation is going to eventually, you know, the, the floor is going to bottom out on them in terms of, you know, a guy just wants to get paid, which is well within all these guys' rights. But, you know, it, it's so far it hasn't filled them yet. Yeah. No, it's so, it's so funny that like there, any other team in the NHL, if they had their, their top offensive defenseman and their very good third-line center, who should be a second-line center on like any other team, if you look at that at any team and go, oh, that's going to be a rough offseason for you, right. trying to re-sign both those guys. But I, I have every reason to believe they're going to take below market value. Tory Krug mm-hmm. wants, said he wants to have a hometown discount, as you said. And Charlie Coyle's from here. Did you know that? Did you know Charlie Coyle's actually from Weymouth, Massachusetts? I, I, I've heard conflicting reports, but I, I want to believe that I've heard, and I do believe that he is from uh, the South Shore community of Weymouth. Yeah, I, I heard that too. I, I, I had some sources kind of clue me in on that. I, I don't think that's breaking news on here, but, mm-hmm. but, but uh, I, I'll, I'll say it's breaking news. But the thing is, like, I have every reason to believe he's going to take less to stay here. I mean, he, from all accounts, he loves it here. Tory Krug loves it here. Uh, Jake Brusk is an RFA, so whatever. Um, we'll, we'll deal with that when we get to it. We're so sick of RFAs. I'm so done right. with this. Um, but it is interesting because I just, I see Krug taking less. If you, mm-hmm. as you said, six and a half, imagine you get mm-hmm. Tory Krug for six and a half on a long-term deal. I mean, come on. I mean, that is, that's a, just hand Sweeney every GM of the year. I mean, that's six and a half mm-hmm. for a guy like Tori Krug, who has his point production, who's who who proved he could be good on defense or good as his own zone um, during the playoffs with Brandon Carlo. I mean, that's a perfect match right there. So that whole thing is interesting to me. And and I looked ahead to next off season, and it's like you know, yeah, you have big guys up, but these guys are mm-hmm. willing to take less. They're willing to be sort of versatile with their contract negotiations. So yippee. Um, speaking of teams who uh, are not great at contract negotiations, who are not great at retaining their guys. Um, the biggest RFA to sign signed, when was it last week? It was end of, end of was it Friday? Uh, yes. I think it was like Friday at like the great time of like 8.45 PM. It was yeah. some horrible time. Before we get to that, I want to give every prop to the Boston Bruins organization, Charlie McAvoy. That news broke at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Great. I was fully expecting that to be a Danton Heinen signing at like 11.30 on a weeknight I had ever, or, or on a weekend. I totally expected it to be in the middle of the night, but they proved me wrong. They did it in the – I woke right up. I saw the tweet from Bob McKenzie, and I said, boom. I love the timing of this. So every credit to them in the world for that. Um, but let's talk about the Maple Leafs because this is funny. Mitch Marner signed six years, uh, $10.893 million per. So he wanted, I think, over 11 and then he didn't get it. But the Maple Leafs still have – my math is terrible. And I, 
we're journalism people, so our math is not um, top notch. But you have John Tavares. Yeah, we did not go to school for this. Uh, John Tavares, eleven million. Austin Matthews, eleven point six million. So that adds up to about twenty three million ish. Marner at ten million. So that's thirty three million. William Nylander at six million. 6.9, so almost seven. So yeah. 40 million tied up with four guys. Right. Half, well, almost half of the entire team's cap space, like total cap limit. Like cap limit's 81.5, like, and all that types of four players. Is that not the, like, great. You have good, you have four good offensive players. What about the rest of the team? Now they actually have good offensive talent. Like I fully expect and think and I'm in the minority here. I said this last week with DJ Bean on here, and he actually, he, we both said it. It's entirely possible that Maple Leafs finally leapfrog the Bruins in the standings this year. Totally possible. Mm-hmm. They have a, on paper, they are a better team, and the Bruins have won in the first round two straight years against them. They went to the cup last year and lost. It just feels like the makings of a first round exit this year, but that's a whole other topic. Um, but beyond this year, <laughs> Did you know, Connor, that the Maple Leafs have one defenseman locked up? Morgan Riley, five million. Yep. That is all they have for next year. Other than that, other than that, Cody Cece's a UFA, Jake Muzzin's a UFA, Tyson Berry, UFA. Three of your top four defensemen are unrestricted free agents, and you have zero dollars in cap space this year. Now next year I, I I'd have to look. But this year they have no cap space. And they have projected uh, long-term injured reserve used $13 million. <laughs> yeah, they need to like put in like a certain amount of money just to stay under the cap. Like they are hoarding every injured player just to like have it as like cap relief. Like it, it, it's it's nuts. It's incredible what's going on up there. And um, just looking at this team now, they are a good team. I, I like don't 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 get me wrong. None of us make fun of them because they're a bad team. They're a great team. Yeah, I mean. I'm just very interested in how this all plays out because Pittsburgh, I mean, had a lot of cap tied up with Crosby and Latang and Malkin, but they always kind of made it work. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have to play the same teams over and over again every year in the playoffs, which – so I, I'm baffled with what's going on up there and sort of the holdouts they've had and the mismanagement. I mean, you know, you have guys like Nylander holding out till December 1st last year. You have – you know, you have uh, Marner had this whole hubbub this summer. It's just wacky. It's just funny what's going on up there. And it just it's such a stark contrast with what's going on in Boston in that these guys are taking less. The locker room culture is better, which makes me think the Maple Leafs can get all the offensive firepower they want. They don't have the veteran leadership, especially now with Marlowe gone. You know, they, Jason Spets up, but – a new guy coming in the room is going to make that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. And on def- I mean, defensively they're fine, but the main thing is they don't have any veteran leadership. They don't. And I think it's starting to show. Well, I mean, I think when you look at it too, I, you know, if you look at how they're set up both this year and then especially going forward next year, like I, I have no idea what they're going to do next year in terms of fixing that decor. Cause you have to imagine those guys are going to get paid and I don't know where they're going to get that money from just to be able to find these guys. Again, they are like thirteen like million over the cap limit right now. Like a lot of the money is not coming off the books, like unless it's these UFAs who are about to leave, but then you have no decor. And like Jake Muzzin like was a solid pickup for them last year. You imagine Tyson Barry will help them a little bit as a guy that kind of 
joined, you know, a guy like Morgan Riley in terms of being like a puck moving guy, a dynamic guy on the back end. But what do you do going forward next year? And again, I think if you look at the way they're structured, I think Kyle Dubas is kind of doing something similar to what the Penguins have been able to do over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, where even when they kind of went through a little bit of a rebuilding window, you still have those key cogs all across the lineup that, all right, you still have Sidney Crosby, you still have Malkin, you know, you can kind of mix and match and there's going to be productive guys. I mean, you saw like when they went back to back, you had, you know, guys like Rust and, you know, Sheary, these guys who they kind of just slide in and become productive players. You know, so you can see like a guy like Kapanen or, you know, uh, Andres Janssen or any of these guys kind of get squatted back in and being productive guys. Zach Hyman, who's hurt, but when he comes back, you know, he was the top six option for them. So they're going to be good. Like, you, you, when well, you have a team that rolls out Matthews, you know, Monner, Tavares, you know, Morgan Riley, who's a dynamic guy back there, they're going to be a good team. But in terms of having hard to put them over the top where, the flaw is going to remain the same in terms of the decor. You can really, you know, in terms of master battle, you can expose, you know, certain groupings there. Uh, you know, they're very, they're very top heavy. Like, uh, you know, they're going to be a great team again, but have they going to have to put them over the top? Like maybe, you know, sooner or later, they're going to have to win a game seven. You'd have to think against the Bruins. That's what like, I, that's, that's like that, that, I mean, that's going to be it. And like, you look at that team last year, like, that team very well could have won the Stanley Cup, but they just got past the Bruins. The way it all kind of map, you know, mapped out, because I mean, that was a great seven-game series. When like that team is on, especially in the Ozone, it's just relentless. You know, like you deal with you know uh, Matthews and how great he was in that last postseason, and all of a sudden John Tavares and Mitch Marner hop over the board. Like it's relentless. You have Morgan Riley kind of fishing pucks up by the blue line. Like it's a great team when they're on, but when you look at the flaws that are clearly still there, when you look at their situation going forward, like. I don't understand what what they're looking at that's going to bail them out in the next couple of years when they're already so pressed up against the cap. Like, again, are they hoping that, like, the salary cap explodes? Because if it, you know, really rises up in the next couple of years because of that TV deal, you're still, like, a couple of years away from that. And, like, the case can be made that the salary cap does not jump up really that much in the next couple of years just to, like, settle out some of these current discussions with, like, escrow and stuff like that. That was kind of – I think Chris Johnson of Sportsnet reported that, I think, yesterday that – you know, the salary cap really couldn't move the next couple of years if they wanted to, just to settle out some of these revenue sharing issues that the Players Association have. So if that's the case, and like we're stuck at 81 and a half, 82, like what are the Maple Leafs going to do? Is it going to roll out like the the video intern and like a Kagawa dummy like with a third G pairing? Like I, I literally don't know what, like it's going to be AHL level guys out there if they can't afford any of these guys. Like, and they're already in dire straits right now with how their G core is. So like it's going to get worse next year so it's again they've got you know a situation that most teams would love to have that much forward talent but look at how they manage the cap and how you know a guy like Mitch Marner who's from Ontario this you know guy who rose through the ranks there that like that negotiation got that toxic when like all these factors are working that would seem to work in Maple Leafs favor like hey be a, a franchise cornerstone for your hometown team like the friggin Maple Leafs and it went like south that badly I mean the one that makes you appreciate the culture, as you said, the Bruins have kind of formed with, you know, retaining some of these guys. But you just look at, like, you feel like, you know, they lose on borrowed time in terms of, you know, they, they can win right now. They're very talented. But looking forward and fixing those flaws, I don't see what the solution is. Yeah, and the funny thing about Marner is he was just saying today that he got offer sheeted twice and he turned them down. He said, I, I want to be in Toronto. And it's like, well, okay, that's great. 
But why are you holding the Maple Leafs over the fire if you want to be in Toronto that bad? Like, if you want to really right. win, why are you charging them so much, you know, right. and, and, and asking for more than different guys? The only thing that I think the Maple Leafs have going for them they did not have last year is they do not have Nazem Kadri. And I think that's getting mm-hmm. overlooked by a lot of people. They traded him out to Colorado. They brought in Alex Kerfoot. They brought in Tyson Berry. Barry obviously adds a whole new element to – to uh, their defensive uh, group. He's a great defenseman. Kerfoot interests me, though, because, and I said this last week with DJ Bean, Kadri got a lot of stupid penalties in their series with the Bruins that helped the Bruins out morally and all that stuff. Now you get Kerfoot, who has similar offensive output, but just minus the stupidness, the stupidity, the stupidness, whatever. So that helps the Maple Leafs. So I just... I have a weird feeling this is the one year they're going to have where they're going to get past the Bruins in the first round uh, with home ice advantage in game seven, finish in second place or something. But past this year, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they, they <laughs> again, it's funny to see how just south that has gone and how these contract negotiations are killing them. I mean, imagine the Leafs have been waiting for a Stanley Cup for I don't even remember how many. It's been, what, like decades. Like, yeah. It's insane that the weight they've had, the drought, and it's a hockey hotbed. Mm-hmm. Imagine if this team, after this year, the next couple of years, just unraveled. Got you know, mm-hmm. not being able to afford guys, having to trade guys off, contracts here, there, and everywhere. I mean, imagine that. Like this is the team that's supposed to win it in Toronto, and it just fizzles out because they can't manage a salary cap. That would be cool. something, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Well, that's the the perils too of just like mismanaging the cap. Like imagine having a, a team where. You make one of the biggest free agent splashes in, in decades, adding a guy like John Tavares. You have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, both under the age of you know, 24, 25 years old. And honestly, your championship window, barring like something miraculous going on next couple years to build them out money-wise, like their championship window might be this year. One year. Like in yeah. terms of a, a bona fide top flight contender. And again, you have to deal with, you know, the Capitals are, you know, you know, planning to rebound the, the lightning. I don't imagine you're going to bounce out of the first round again. Like, and again, it's not to say that the Maple Leafs are not going to be, you know, a, a contender of the next couple of years, but in terms of having all the pieces in place that really puts you over the top, they're going to be so constricted with that cap over the next couple of years. That, I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, you can't go into it expecting them to be the team that puts it all together when you have like a decor that's, you know, you're, you're stitching together or like on the last day of the preseason, which is, Seems like it's going to be the case going forward. So that, that again, that's the issue with running into the cap is in terms of contending and being like a bona fide team right in the picture for you know winning the Stanley Cup. Like this might be the year for them, just one year. Like it's nuts. Just just one year. It's I agree with you on that, and it'll be interesting obviously to see how it sort of pans itself out up in Toronto. Obviously, us Bruins people are gonna have some fun with it, um, but it uh, it's. It's definitely interesting, and it's crazy to sort of see what's going on. But, uh, Connor, thank you so much for joining. Is there anything you'd like to plug before I let you go? Uh, just kind of sticking with the same old grind with the preseason. So, obviously, we have some uh, stories kind of in the works. I had a story uh, come out earlier this week about how the Bruins are switching up their uh, off-ice training and stuff like that, which is kind of a fascinating kind of part of how they go about their business and get ready for a long season. So, they got rid of uh, – you know, push-ups, the, the chin-up buys, uh competition they had every year, they got rid of, which, as Jake DeBrus said, he was very upset about. He said he got choked up. He was practicing all year to, you know, be a, a top finisher in that. But 
it's kind of a whole change of mentality of how they view, you know, injury prevention and power output and maximizing the work they kind of put in. So stories like that, I think, are fascinating in terms of, you know, the work they're doing to kind of stay ahead of the curve and get these guys really ready to go, especially with how sure the turnover is going to be uh, going into this year. So got that and a whole bunch of other stuff lined up. You go to Boston Journal bostonsportsjournal.com uh definitely subscribe to the site we have great stuff all year long and uh if you want to follow me on twitter you can follow me at connor ryan underscore 93 beautiful do it people do it before the season starts it's well worth it anyways connor thank you so much and for clns media i am evan marinovsky you guys have a great rest of your week 